Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Go ahead and take a seat. Everyone, take a seat. Open up your Bibles. Open up your Bibles to Hebrews 13. It is the last week of our series, Greater. Hey, look to your neighbor right now and say, I'm so excited for camp. All right, now look up here. Now look up here and be completely silent. Perfect, good job. Um, Guys, I'm so excited. Thank you so much uh, to all the amazing leaders who stepped up. Hey, FYI, if any of you guys over there want some seats, we got some seats over here, some free seats. Yeah, guys standing up, they're like, I'm, I'm too cool to sit. My legs are infinitely strong. I can stand forever. I don't need chairs. There's some seats if you want them, just there for your convenience. Um, thank you so much to Will and Michael and Garrett and Clay and Anna and all the other music leaders and all the other leaders and all the small group leaders and Stacy. Uh, for the past two weeks, this is the first time ever in my life I've missed two Wednesdays, and it was really strange. It was weird. I didn't know what to do um, other than relax and hang out with my family. That was really cool. But thank you, all the leaders who stepped up. Uh, missed you guys a ton. Glad to be back. And uh, we did it. On February 18th or 17th this year for conference, we read at conference the first verse of the book of Hebrews. Many times, in many ways, God had spoke to us through the prophets, but most recently, God has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. And from that moment, every single Wednesday, we've basically, basically every single Wednesday, we've been in this book, and now we're finishing it two nights before we go to summer camp, which is amazing. I think that's really sweet that we got to do that together. Uh, the whole book of Hebrews was pointing to one thing, and that is Jesus is greater. He's a greater sacrifice. Um, he is a greater trust. There is a greater inheritance waiting for us. All of this, all of these ideas have been woven throughout the entire book of Hebrews, communicating this idea that Jesus is greater. He is greater than anything that you will ever experience. And we thought that this was important. We wanted you guys to know this. We wanted to study this together. Um, We believe in you guys. We believe that you can study the Bible on your own and you can stay in the same book for a long time. And um, we did it together. So we're finishing tonight. Last chapter. I know. Come on. Pat yourself on the back. We're excited. Yes, literally. Come on. Come on. You can do it. We got no screens tonight. We're like the early church, except we do have a building that we get to meet in, which is nice, and air conditioning. Maybe, maybe. Hey, it's just like camp for real, but right now. Isn't that cool? Right? Come on. This is what it's all about, sweating and singing to the Lord. All right. Hebrews chapter 13. Sorry, I shouldn't make jokes like this. I'm just well-rested, and I've got an infinite amount of energy. All right, Um, the passage today is the final chapter of Hebrews. Like we said, the series, uh, or excuse me, the title of this message is Final Thoughts. 
You know when you are like telling somebody like on the phone that you gotta go and they just keep saying things? And you're like, okay, but I really gotta go. And they're like, one more thing. And you're like, no, please, grandma, I can't. I gotta go to bed. Um, it's not always your grandma, but a lot of times it is, right? Um, and then there's also this thing like the bell rings for class and you're like, I gotta, I gotta go. And someone tries to talk to you and they're like, I gotta tell you something really quickly. And it's like these five things and I'm gonna tell you real quick. And you're just like, okay, okay, please get along with it. Um, that's kind of what's happening in tonight's passage. This is, I like don't know if the author was writing, like running out of paper or something, but that seemingly all these different random commandments and ideas presented in the final uh, few paragraphs of this letter. Now, of course, we believe that all of scripture is inspired by God, so um, we can't make assumptions about how they're writing or whatever, um, but we do know that these are the final thoughts of the author that he is trying to encourage his listeners one last time. He gets some logistics out of the way, and he also shares the final things that he wants you and me to know. Another way to think about it is you know that like, when you're in the grocery aisle, or excuse me, you're in the grocery store with your mom, and she's like, at work, you're at the checkout like, counter, and everything seems to be going well, and like all your groceries are on the conveyor belt, someone gets behind you in line, maybe you're tuning out a little bit, right? Maybe you're just like thinking about what you're gonna do later. You're thinking about like, how you're gonna like hang out with your friends later or do your homework or whatever it is or procrastinate on your homework or whatever. And your mother looks at you with this terrified look on her face and she's like, I forgot the onions. And like, there's three more things on the conveyor belt and she goes, listen, you gotta go get one bag of red onions now. And you're like, has, any, has this happened to anyone? This happened to me. Okay, all right, we'll see you. And you run and you sprint and you're just like, okay, here they are, right? And you're like, make it back at the last second, so nervous. It's worse when your mom goes and you're stuck talking to the adult and you're like, I don't have money, I don't have a job. Um, imagine that scenario, but your mom says, I forgot eight things. I forgot cereal, I forgot avocados, I forgot onions, I forgot tomatoes because I'm making cereal guacamole for some reason. Uh, what other ingredients? I don't know. That's kind of what the author's doing right now. He's like, a final few things. That was a really long intro, but let's just go for it. All right, Hebrews chapter 13. Look at the first few verses here. It says this in verse one, let brotherly love continue, commandment number one. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for there, uh, thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison, as though, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let the marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? God be with us as we're reading these final verses. Um, thank you for the truths that they, um, that they are, that they are in our lives. I pray that we would apply them this week and that we would um, love you well by obeying you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, the first six verses, a lot of stuff in there. 
different things, right? Um, but we can summarize it with these, these words, love and honor one another. Love and honor one another. That's kind of what the author is getting at at the very end here. Love and honor one another. Uh, the church is a body. Look around you, right? You're in a stuffy, hot room right now. Um, we're all one body. We're all connected together. Uh, the New Testament is about a lot of things. It's about um, the Son of God and how God has revealed himself through his Son. It's about salvation in him. But like, there's a lot in the New Testament about how we're supposed to do this thing. How are we supposed to meet together? How are we supposed to love one another? How are we supposed to make this thing work? How are we supposed to be unified? And it's no different here. It says in verse 1, let brotherly love continue. If you're taking notes, that's like the first commandment we see. Let brotherly love continue. Um, for some of us, brotherly love needs to start. I don't mean just like this room specifically. I just mean in general to not feel like I'm calling anyone out. But maybe it's you. Maybe the Holy Spirit's talking to you. Um, brotherly love needs to continue. Brother and sisterly love must continue in order for the church to be unified together. Uh, there needs to be a genuine affection for your brother or sister in church like there is for your real brother. And if you don't like your real brother, follow along with me, right? Um, let brotherly love continue. That's our first commandment. Uh, verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And the verses keep going. So first we see, let brotherly love continues. It says, love strangers well, treat them honorably. Then we see a reminder for people who are in prison, uh, show honor and respect for them. Then we see honor marriage and God's design for sexuality. And then we see don't love money. Lots of different commandments, but they will guide us. Um, so we talked about brotherly love. Look at this verse. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Uh, you never know when an opportunity will come up for the gospel. You never know um, when the Lord is going to use your influence in somebody else's life that you don't know for a gospel moment and opportunity. And the author here, we know he's a super big fan of the Old Testament. We've talked about this a lot. And he says, sometimes... You're showing hospitality to angels or messengers of God, and you're not even aware of it. Now, look around the room. If you're an angel in here, could you please just slip your hand up? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so you're like, wait a minute. I thought angels, like, it was super aware in the Bible when angels would come because people thought they were going to die, and they would tremble in fear. And like 90% of the time, angels are like, don't be afraid. Like, good things are happening. And people are like, no, this is horrible. Um, there's actually moments in scripture where people are talking to angels and they don't even know it. Um, this happens to Abram and Sarah, right? They meet these two men and they're having a conversation. They don't know that this person is just a messenger from the Lord. That's really what angel means, messenger from God. Um, and they didn't know it, right? We see uh, Jacob wrestling with an angel and uh, that angel blesses him. Jesus himself even disguises himself so they don't know he's Jesus. Um, and so the Old Testament, or the author's probably thinking of these examples. Uh, but he's not saying be nice to strangers because they might be angels. He's saying be kind, compassionate, and honorable to strangers. Treat them as if they were angels. Treat them as if they have a heavenly status because they do, because we're spiritual beings, because we know um, that this life isn't it. There's a life that we're living for. 
That's what the author is saying. Some are entertaining angels or showing hospitality to them in this moment, um, but we ought to treat people as if they were just as important as angels. That's what the author is really trying to communicate to us. We need to love strangers well. There really should be no strangers in the body of God, and, and that's why we should always be welcoming in new people to our ministry, new people to our church, new people at camp, right? When there's someone new in your cabin this week, be like, yeah, let's do it. That's awesome. I know you haven't been with us at the last seven, but I'm super pumped to have you for the last one. That's how our attitude should be towards strangers. Let brotherly love continue and show hospitality to strangers. What else do we have? Remember those in prison. Now, the prison system back then, probably a little bit different than how we have it today. Um, uh, the prisons back then probably would have been just for a brief period of time, for a debt, or for to settle a, a dispute. Um, potentially, some people would have been in prison because of their faith in the gospel. And he's saying, remember those people who are in prison and treat them like they're part of your body. Uh, treat them like they're part of your congregation. Show respect to them. And then, of course, we see a, a plea to honor marriage and God's design for sexuality. Um, again, a lot of different topics all packed in together. I imagine the author is like, got to go do something. And he's just like, all right, here's the last things I want this church to know. And uh, it's all divine and inspired by God. Um, God has designed you and me in a very specific way. Um, he designed us as two genders, male and female, in the very beginning. And uh, he designed sex as a great and good thing within the confines of the boundaries that he created. Um, we've talked about this before. If you buy land and build a house, um, you kind of, it, it's yours, you own it. And if you play Uno a little bit differently than other people play Uno, and you're playing in your house, it kind of like, it's polite to be like, well, house rules are this. Um, so when your parents say bedtime's 9.30, they're in charge because it's their house and they made you as well. All right, not to get to whatever, but um, just saying, they're in charge. Um, but God made the world. God made the universe and God made you. God made me. God made everything that we can see. He's in charge. He knows what's good for you. He knows what's bad for you. He's not doing these things or saying these things because he's old fashioned. He's outside of time. Time didn't exist before he created the confines of time for you and me. Um, God is infinite. He knows exactly what is good and what is bad. And that is why he says, let the marriage bed not be not undefiled. Uh, meaning sex is for a man and a woman in a marriage. And that is a good and perfect thing. It's the exact opposite of what our culture is saying today. Um, when I grew up, <clears throat> it was like, you can think of a few ways you can dishonor God with your sexuality, and now there's like a billion, um, and it seems to be more widely accepted that that's okay. Um, but we believe in the truth of God's word, and because we believe God knows what's good for you. God knows what's good for me. And we're going to follow those rules. All right, what else do we see? Honor God's design for marriage and sexuality. And then he says this uh, really cool thing. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can be confident in saying, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The author says, don't love money. Don't love money. Don't be dependent upon money. Uh, the reason why we don't worship money is because we serve a God of infinite riches. That's the reason. Um, we don't have to serve money 
because we serve God and God has everything that we need. God knows exactly what you need, exactly when you need it, and God will provide those things for you. The real reason we worship money in our culture is because we worship um, comfort and we worship uh, success and we worship um, ourselves. And when you have more money, this is just how it goes. When you have more money, um, you can feel more comfortable with your life. Now, anything can happen to you, but for some reason, having a certain number in the bank account makes you feel a bit more secure. And so when people are accumulating and worshiping and loving money, they're really worshiping themselves and they're really worshiping um, what they think that they can, how they can control their lives. Um, there's this really interesting correlation between money and the gospel all the time in the New Testament. Um, Jesus says you can't serve and love uh, one master and hate the other, right? You can't serve two masters. You'll either love one or hate the other. You can't serve God and money. Um, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And God says, love me first, and I'll provide everything I need, you need. Love me first and foremost, and I will provide absolutely everything that you need. Don't love money. Uh, don't be a lover of money. It's a sin. Now, is money bad? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, you can use money to bless other people. You can use money to buy a house and host other people and welcome them in when you, they need help. Uh, you can use money to buy an awesome car and drive people around when they need a ride to the airport. You can serve the Lord with money and the things that you have. It just, the, the distinction is this. What controls you and what are you controlling? If you're controlling your budget and your money, that's great. But if your money controls you, that's not awesome. That's what the author is saying. All right. Let's talk about more things, shall we? All right. Verses 7 through 18, big chunk right here. So follow along in your Bible. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're like, those are two different ideas. Yes, that's true. Um, do not be led astray by divisive and strange teachings, excuse me, diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not been benefited to those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside of the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside of the camp in, or outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then let us con continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give in account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. 
Lots of beautiful passages here. Um, we can summarize it with this. Worship genuinely and respect leaders. Worship genuinely and respect your leaders. So verse 7 starts off with, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. This is discipleship. Uh, this is why we try and train up a bunch of awesome um, leaders who are older than the students in the room um, to disciple and to train up all of you. It says, remember your leaders. Remember the people who spoke to you the word of God. Remember the people who knew God, who know him, who are living for him, and consider the outcome of their life. If you've ever met somebody who completely loves God and they love the Bible, um, you know that they have this joy that doesn't seem to change. They're consistently um, uh, worshiping the Lord, and, and you see the outcome of their life, and you think, I want to be like that. The reality is, you really want to be like Christ as, as they're following Christ. But this is what discipleship is. It is simply learning how to be a better follower of Jesus. And one day, all of you prayerfully, hopefully, will disciple other people. Um, but we have to, as young people, look to our leaders and respect them and remember them, consider their way of life and imitate their faith. Learned behavior is a great way to become a disciple, right? When you see someone and you say, what are, what are you doing? How are you so joyful? How do you have such joy in trials? And they say, I pray to the Lord, I follow after him, I worship him, I read the Bible. Imitate those things. That's what the author is saying. Imitate their faith. Learn what they're doing. Follow after them, not because they're perfect. And yes, they'll let you down time and time again, 100%. But this is what discipleship is. It is simply following someone else as they're following Christ. And you're following Christ together. It says, worship genuinely and respect your Leader. So it kind of starts with a spiel about our leaders and it ends with this. And verse 17, this is a verse that our leaders will quote this weekend at camp. Obey your leaders. Whoa. I think we should do that this weekend. All right. When they're like, all right, lights out. And you're like, no, we're staying up till two. They're like, hey, Hebrews 13, 17, man. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders. I think that would be good, right? I think we're all okay with that, maybe. It's biblical. And submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls. Whoa. As those who will give an account, let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Um, your leaders aren't babysitters. Um, they have to give an account for the way they discipled you one day. And so do I. Um, our elders at our church, our deacons, they are in a spot where they are watching over your souls. What does that mean? It means they're praying for you. It means they're meeting constantly to check in and see how things are going. Um, it means that they want the best for you. It means that they want to know how your life is going. They want to see how you're thriving and growing in relationship with the Lord. They're watching over your souls. They're watching over your discipleship. Uh, this is a big task. This is a serious task. This isn't a, I want to go have fun at camp, so I'm going to be a leader in my 20s because I can't get over being out of youth group. This is, I want to serve the Lord. Um, it's a big task. It's a big deal. And you and I, all of us, really, because we all submit to some sort of authority, would be the best version of ourselves when we submit to them and when we listen and when we obey them. 
And let's do that without grumbling, without complaining. It's a big task. Um, so of course, kind of this idea starts and ends with leadership. And in the middle, we see this reality. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy and high places, or by the high priest, as a sacrifice for sin, are burned outside of the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. The author is once again, shocker, bringing up the Old Testament sacrificial system, saying, just like animals were sacrificed outside, you wouldn't slaughter an animal in the Holy of Holies, right? That's just not what you did. You did it outside, and you brought it in to be burned before the Lord. Jesus, in a similar fashion, doesn't, is not killed in the city of Jerusalem. He's brought outside of the gates. But what happens with the blood of Christ? Jesus suffered in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Uh, that's the gospel. All sin that you've committed can be sanctified. You can be sanctified, which means changed, made righteous before God through his blood. That's what we're talking about. There's only one way to be reunited with God, and that's through the sacrifice that he made. The author is getting this in one more time. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. No longer animal sacrifices. No longer going out to find a goat, a calf, a bull, or a bird, depending on your social economic status. We offer up a sacrifice every day of praise, of worship, with our voices, with our attitudes, with our hearts, with our obedience. That's how we worship the Lord now. And we're still supposed to make sacrifices to God. Fun fact. It's just different now. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. The first fruits. The first of what you've been given would have to have been sacrificed to God and given to God. We can sacrifice all, all sorts of things to God. Our time, our energy, our money. God's blessed us with so many things. So let's give it back to him. Let's give it back to him constantly. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Um, you can honor the Lord by giving things and sacrificing things. Um, the Lord is honored by your faith when you give up your time, when you give up your energy, when you give up your finances. Um, the Lord blesses that. It's the fruit of our lips. I mean, that is like, that should be the easiest thing to give God. It's just an acknowledgement of his presence through your words. Uh, that should be the easiest thing to give the Lord every morning. The first fruits of the breath in your lung and your consciousness should be devoted to him through devotions, through small group, or excuse me, devotions or prayer time and singing. That's how we give sacrifices to God. You don't have to slaughter your cat. Thank goodness. That would be horrible, even though cats are weird. You don't have to do it. But, but, you can offer up sacrifices of song. Just saying. Worship genuinely. Um, God isn't looking for the right words to say. He's looking for a heart posture to hold. Uh, God isn't interested in it. Like, if you mess up, it's like... It's our breath in our lungs. Wait, did I say that right? Like, that's not what God's looking for. He's looking for your heart. 
If you and I didn't have the lyrics to these words right now, it'd be a little chaotic, that's for sure. But he's looking for a posture. Um, he's looking to see if you're paying attention. He's looking to see that if you're focused on him. Um, so many people go into camp with the right look and the wrong heart. Um, the right vibe and the wrong perspective. And I don't think God blesses that, ever. God's looking for genuine worshipers of him. And that's not to make you fear. That's not to make you be like, well, am I, am I doing this right? It's to make you check, say, am I here to worship the Lord? I love saying, like, everything can be worship. And, like, there's these little cute Instagram things that are, like, someone's making coffee. And it's like, this is worship. And it's like, no, it's not. If you have a bad attitude all day, that's not worship, right? And, and it's like, I want to comment on all these, but I don't. I don't do it. Um, you can worship the Lord when you have a right heart, uh, when you have the right perspective, when you're giving that time to the Lord, and now you can worship the Lord by making coffee or teaching or serving your family, when you're focused on the Lord, when you're relying on God's energy, when you're using the strength that he gives you to constantly turn these things back to him, that is genuine worship. And uh, why do we do this? Because we don't put any faith in this earthly kingdom. We focus on the kingdom that's to come. Uh, God's looking for genuine worshipers. We want to worship him in spirit and truth this weekend. We want that. Um, your leaders, we talked about leaders. They're there for your protection, not for your burden. They're there to protect you. Uh, they're there to protect you from sinful attitudes and sinful perspectives that will get a hold of your heart without you even knowing it. Your leaders are there to protect and to serve you. And so honor them by obeying. So the author is saying. Now he's going to offer us some final words here. Um, some logistics. Again, this is a letter. He's writing. There's an original audience here that he's writing to. And he says this. Now may the God of peace, who brought you again, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, Lay he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortion, for I have written to you briefly. Huh? Briefly? That's a lot of words. He's like, he wanted to talk longer, which would have been awesome, but he didn't. So, or they, or she, whatever. Um, you should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I, will, I shall see you when he, if he comes. Greet all your leaders and all of the saints. Those who come from Italy, send your greetings. Grace be with all of you. So Timothy gets released. That's a good little hint. Um, this is the final words. This is the last thing the author is saying, and we can see this. He says, serve the good shepherd. Serve the good shepherd. Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good so that you may do his will working in us. The will of the Lord is that you would serve him and honor him. The will of the Lord, we hear this all the time, I just want to know what God's will is. 
And God's will is constantly working in you when you're doing what he says to do. And that could be so many different things. It can be a lot of different schools. It can be a lot of different career paths. But as long as you're honoring him, as long as you're doing what he said to do. I don't think that if you buy a blue car instead of a red car, like you're outside of God's will. But I think if you honor the Lord with all of your decisions, he will honor you. He will bless you with what he has. So it's clear the author is communicating these final words, these final things to you and me. He says, stay the course and serve the good shepherd. Stay the course and serve the good shepherd. Out of all these kind of random topics brought in at the very end, it all concludes right here. Follow the good shepherd, the one who made a new covenant and relationship possible with all of us. Serve him. He's going to equip you for good works. He is going to equip you to follow him. He is going to be the one to guide you for the rest of your lives. You and I should be a force for good. In our communities, in our schools, in our own church, we should be a force for good. Constantly serving the Lord, constantly looking towards him as he equips us, as he puts us on the right path and the right perspective. He's the one that we serve, the good shepherd all of our days. Let's pray. God, we love you. Um, we pray right now as we're getting ready for camp as we're getting ready to um, go along on um, kind of an adventure together as a group of people, all 200 of us plus leaders. God, I pray that you would be uh, honored this weekend. I pray that we would follow you, the good shepherd, all of our days. Uh, I pray that we would stay the path, we would stay the course for all of us who are following you. And God, I pray that um, people who aren't following you, who don't know you yet, would recognize that there's one way to inherit an eternal covenant, and that's through your blood. Um, I pray that we would go into this camp with uh, just the right attitude, that we wouldn't wait until like day two at the end of the day to get serious or whatever, that we would just go right in knowing what we're there for. Um, we would offer songs of worship and the fruit of our lips to you. Um, right away, as soon as we get to camp, as soon as we're there, I pray that in the next few days, uh, we would honor you with uh, our preparation as we're packing for camp, as we're looking um, in all the small, minute, random moments of the day as we're preparing for camp. I pray that we would honor you and focus on you. And um, we're going to give you all the worship and praise. I uh, pray that you would show up in a special and powerful way um, where we would just be uh, trembling in your presence, that we would be reunited in a beautiful and powerful way towards you, God. God, we, we worship you not because we're good, not because we, it's just what we do, but God, because you made a way you made us and you yourself made a way for us to be reunited. So God, be with us now. Help us put away distractions and help us to pray. Even during, as we're singing, help us to pray for our friends and family members who are coming with us who don't know you. Pray for, um, help us to pray for our cabins, our cabin leaders or the people in our cabins. Pray for uh, everybody at camp, God. We love you. 
Help this weekend be a special moment, a line in the sand, a moment where we recognize your goodness and your love in a new and a fresh way. Pray all this in Jesus' name.